title of the message is Worship, a proper response to his presence. Worship, a proper response to his presence. Revelation chapter 4, verses 8 through 11. It says, And the four living creatures, each one of them having six wings, are full of eyes around and within. And day and night they do not cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God the Almighty, who was and who is and who is to come. Verse 9, And when the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and will cast their crowns before the throne, saying, verse 11, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and because of your will they existed and were created. Lord, help us as we study. Last week, we talked about what it meant to have incessant proclamation and how these angelic beings, these created cherubim, we think they were, um, worshipped God. And the best way they could do it was to describe him as holy. And that these angels who have their own language, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, that if I worship, if I, if I sing with the tongue of men and or angels, and I have not love, I'm yet a clanging gong or a resounding cymbal. So in this designation of how we ought to love, Paul describes kind of inadvertently that there are tongues of angels and that they've got their own way of expressing uh, their feeling about who God is. Yet we don't hear them in tongues of angels here. We hear them in tongues of men, a language that at least John could understand. And we talked about last week that it had to be one of four languages, Latin, Greek, Hebrew, or Aramaic. Those were the four of the day in his world, in John's world. And so this was a lesson for John about what worship should look like. That we should pattern our worship of God after what we see in heaven and not make it up on our own. We should figure out what happens there and begin to do it here. If that pattern was good enough for Jesus, it ought to be good enough for us. In John chapter 5, Jesus said, I don't, I don't do anything. I don't see my Father do it. So if it happens in heaven, it's going to happen in my life. And if it happens in my life, you can be sure that it's happened there or I don't do it. In John 8, he says, if you've heard me speak, then you've heard the Father. Because I only say what he tells me to. So Jesus said, I pattern my entire life after what I know I've seen and heard in glory. I don't do anything other. But we have our own idea about how we ought to worship God. And it doesn't fit according to the pattern, and so it's not as acceptable as it should be. Now, generally speaking, because God knows we are ignorant with respect to how we should begin to give him the worship he deserves, he receives that which is that of which he's really beyond. He's, he's worthy of more, but he'll take what he can get sometimes from us because he knows our weakness. But that is no excuse for us not to give him what he deserves. That's right. We ought to figure out what does Scripture say, what is the pattern, and then I'm going to give it to him. 
The entire moment is for John to see this so he can help the churches understand what worship looks like. So these angelic beings are beside themselves and they see God for who he is and the only way they can describe him is holy. Holy means other than different, separate from us. He's not like the rest of creation. Yet when John looked at these created beings, he went, wow. Wow. Y'all are cool. I mean, you got six pairs of wings and you have eyes all around and within. I don't know what that means. But these are amazing creatures inspiring awe and wonder. Yet these creatures are nothing compared to him. And they are saying, you're not like us at all. The only way we know how to describe it, a way that John gets, is that you are holy. Different than everything else that has been created. And we want to recognize that, not only with one holy, but two. And not only with two, but three. And then if that wasn't enough, it says they incessantly, they didn't cease to say this. They just kept on going. And then they talked about his might, that there's not a realm in which he does not rule. He is sovereign over all. Whatever the universe looks like in its expanse, if there are borders, and scientists actually believe that it's still growing, which makes sense because when God said light be, it never stopped. I love science. I'm a biology major. I was. And I'm not a scientist. I'm not a biologist. I was just a biology major. But I was going to be a dentist. And I love life sciences. I don't like chemistry. I hate chemistry. But I love life sciences. And I, I appreciate people who study these things in order to, to figure out what's going on. And I say, go for it. Because if you keep going, you're going to find him. You can't help but. You can't help but because he created it all. The more you find out, the more you're going to find him. Just don't make any conclusions until you come to the end. People are making conclusions about what he is not or that he is not or wasn't involved in, though they haven't come to the end. And so they're already saying what is before they know what is. Not smart. But because they want to distance themselves from God... They don't want to ascribe to him the glory that is due. Because if he is who, who he says he is, then they're accountable. And then they got to start doing right. They don't want to do right. So they have to make their science fit their philosophy. Are you listening to me? My thing is, just keep going. Because you're going to find him. He's over all. He's over all. Almighty. And the beauty of his might is that though he is superintending over the entire universe, he does not neglect you. He watches over your life in particular. A sparrow does not fall to the ground without his notice. How much more will he care for you? The lilies of the field grow. And, and Solomon, in all of his glory, who had more money to spend clothes on and liked to look good, more money to spend clothes on than any man in history, in all of his glory, it says, was not clothed as one of these flowers. Yet tomorrow is dries up, picked up, thrown away into the fire. If God clothes the lilies of the field like this, and he watches over the birds of the air and provides for them, though they don't work, how much more will he not care for you? Oh, you of little faith. 
God provides for us in particular, in particular, though he is superintending over all. Now, you, you might say, well, Pastor, I, I don't feel near as provided for as I should. I mean, like, I'm struggling. I'm wondering where is God. Well, let's start a little further back. Rather than trying to judge God's faithfulness on the, your ability to pay your light bill this month, Let's talk about breathing. I'm just saying, is that, is, that, is that a pretty good benefit? How about forgiveness? Considering the fact that all of us need to be judged for everything we've done wrong. And, and, and can you count the number of stuff? Can, can you count the number of stuff you do wrong in a day? Much less your entire life. And all that for which you need to be judged, guilty, and the wages of sin is death, and yet you are still, your heart is still pumping. God is so merciful and kind. So rather than judging him on the latest thing you didn't get, begin to thank him for what you did. We received his mercy and grace. He has cared for you in particular. He watches over your life with great care. He is almighty. And then he is the one who was and is and is to come. He's eternal. It's a mind-blowing concept. He, he never was made. He is and he always will be. He's just different than us. And, and we ought to praise him for that even though we can't get our minds around it because anything that has been created can be destroyed. But if it hadn't been created... What can destroy it? Because the only thing left are things that have been created. And things that have been created can't destroy things that have never been created because they are beyond the creation. So that gives me great security. My God ain't going no place. He's set in glory. He's eternal. And I can anchor my life to his throne. Eternal. So the angels are just talking about it, just talking about it, just talking over and over. And then we have a picture of the elders. Now, there are 24 of these guys, and they are, we believe, the, the governors throughout all of God's history of having a people. And we think it's the 12 apostles in combination with the 12 patriarchs of Israel. There were 12 tribes, and there were 12 apostles. And those represent the 12 ways, 24 ways, if you will, 24 representatives that show how God has governed his will throughout the earth through a people. And these 24 are gathered together. And they're involved in the worship service, yet they're looking, they're perceiving, and these created beings are having a time, just a time. And all of a sudden, it says that the elders kick in. And this is where we get obeisant behavior. Now, the word obeisant means to give homage to a superior, to give respect from an inferior to a superior. And, and these 24 elders, it says they, they first fall down. Now, the, everything about the, the angels seems to be somewhat scripted. That doesn't make it any less efficable. 
or sincere or authentic, but it's somewhat scripted and that they're saying the right thing and they're doing the right thing, proclaiming who he is, and it's powerful. But everything you get from the elders seems to be a little spontaneous. And I, I, I think it's because the elders have experienced something the angels cannot. The angels have seen them without the veil of the flesh. They get to behold his glory on the regular, and it is amazing. But they've never tasted redemption. They've never experienced forgiveness. They don't know what it means to be lost and found. They don't know what it means to have the judgment hanging over your head and then being released, not just pardoned, but your whole record expunged. Yes, sir. You know the difference, don't you? A pardon is that which releases you from the penalty, but you can still have a record. You don't even have a record. It's like you never sinned. These men know something about that. And so when they see him and then they hear the angelic beings proclaiming who he is, they just go, I'm too high. I'm too high. I'm on this throne. He's on a throne. I'm on a throne. I don't need to be on a throne. He's on a throne. He's, he's so, I, I, I got to fix this. And it says that they just fall out. <laughs> Prostrate means to go down like this with your face on the ground to get as low as you possibly can. To increase the distance between you and him so you can understand what magnification looks like with respect to him. There wasn't just a, a scripted genuflect. You don't know what that is. Okay. Genuflect. You appear before a ruler. Queen Elizabeth shows up. And, and, and your job is to present yourself well. And you come before her and you... Now, see, wasn't that pretty? See, you have one knee up, one knee down. You bow your head like this or you could even do this and it's, it's, it's beautiful nothing of beauty in terms of scripting was, was any part of what the elders did it was just let me get low I got to get down he is amazing and I'm not he is I thank you so much I shouldn't be here I shouldn't be here. Got their face in the carpet. I don't know if you prayed until you, you smell carpet. I don't know if you really worshipped until you've taken a good whiff of glue. Like this. And then they, they realize we still got things on our head. We've abdicated our thrones. We realize he's worthy of being the one who should be acknowledged as a ruler and we're, we're not but we, we still got and it says they cast you would think that you would think that just falling down would be enough and the, the, the thrones would, would be already on the ground but it says they cast their thrones at him saying worthy are you something about the experience of forgiveness 
makes your worship very different than the angels. It's no longer just the right things to say, though the right things need to be said. Something is different. And when we worship together as a congregation, you ought not come in just singing the songs because you know the words. Something of your heart ought to go like this. I'm getting low, God. I'm getting low because you are amazing and I'm not. I shouldn't even be able to let these words come out of my mouth because I've sinned so many times against you. I don't know how in the world you even tolerate me, that you accept me in your presence is amazing, and that you help me to form the words to say back to you. I thank you because I used to not even want to, much less able to do that. Thank you, God. Thank you. The angels can't do that. This is why we don't want to waste one moment in our worshiping together. Not one. You want to make the most of it. Because when he reveals himself, it's a moment for you to respond well. They fall down, and then they cast their crown. Now, the crowns are interesting. The crowns represent the recognition that Jesus has given these elders for a job well done, that they have ruled in a proper way over his people. That's what elders do. They rule over people. They care for people. They are shepherds, under shepherds, under Christ of God's people, and they have done it well. And the crowns have to be those which Jesus has presented to them because you can't take it with you. They didn't bring it with them. They were given. Christ bestowed them upon them. Which highlights the obvious. With what Will you worship when you get to heaven? What are you going to have to cast? See, these guys, these guys did their job well. They were amazing. And you know what's even more amazing to me? <laughs> the idea of God rewarding us. I don't get it. I, I, I'm sorry, I, I, just, I just don't get it. We have messed up so bad. We've been wrong for so long. That, that when we get an opportunity to do the right thing, we understand that we're supposed to. This is not, we're not volunteering to serve God. This is our obligation. You may think you're volunteering. But it's your obligation. Have you ever seen the movie Count of Monte Cristo? Yep. If not, go find it. It's a good flick. Good flick. Either the old one or the new one. Good for Jim Caviezel does a good job. Guy who was defrauded, wronged by a friend of his or a supposed friend. Lied on, accused. Convicted of a crime that he didn't commit. Lost all of his fortune, his stature, his nobility, everything. Put on an island in the, in the dungeon of dungeons. Escapes. When he escapes, he winds up on this beach. And, and, and then, unfortunately, when he's on this beach, so are these pirates. And, and he's figuring out, how, how, how did I go from, from this into more trouble? This isn't right. But these pirates aren't necessarily trying to get him, though they'd like to get him. What they're trying to do is deal with a friend of theirs that had been not very honest. 
And so a pirate friend was about to be vanquished by his other pirates. And Jim Caviezel really doesn't want to get involved, kind of Monte Cristo, doesn't want to get involved, but he realizes, I can't let this guy. And so he begins to fight for the guy and indeed delivers the guy from judgment. And so this pirate who's got no credibility and morals at all then looks at, at Count of Monte Cristo and says these three words, I'm your man. That's all he says. And Jim Caviezel says, what? <laughs> yeah, I'm your man. You saved my life. Now my life is yours. That's the way it goes. Now forgive me for the very uncomfortable overlay. Jesus saved you from a bunch of pirates who wanted to kill you. The enemy wanted to do away with your life. And he decided to come and save you. What favor do you think you are doing for him? Come on. Help, Lord. You're obligated. He saved you from hell and death. From sin, he saved you. Our privilege is to give him our life service. That's our privilege. So that he would give us a reward for what we're supposed to do? I don't get it. And if you, if you also look at all the stuff we were supposed to do that we didn't do, and then all the stuff we did do wrong, it amplifies even more. Why are you rewarding me? But he says that when you get to glory, there are rewards. That he actually says to people, well done. Every parent will get this. Those of you who don't, you can, you can, you can understand. Your child is a senior in college. You have paid approximately $120,000 so far. They come to you at Christmas and you're asking about their grades in their first semester of their senior year. And, and it's a much longer pause than with, you, with which you are comfortable. Is, is, is something wrong well yeah uh, dad um, I, yeah I wanted to talk to you um, about that I, I, I'm probably you know um, another semester maybe I might have to, to, to go you mean you're not going to graduate on time well, I, no. You're saying I need to pay another semester? Just 12 hours. That's, 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 that's a full load. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and you're having this, this rhetorical conversation with your son. And there's your wife. Holding your hand. And squeezing tighter with every question you ask. Holding you back from everything you want to say. And you realize this is a tender moment. And you say, son, I'm proud of you. I know you're working hard. We're with you. And then you go in your room and begin to scream and holler. 
Oh, it's not that you don't bring up the conversation at some point of what were you doing that made you get Fs. It's not that you ignore it. You just pick your moments. I, sometimes as a parent, you have to find stuff to approve. You got you to gotta get on, you got to use that texting thing. I think you're doing great. You got to find stuff. And with, with how messed up we are. That God thinks anything good about us means he has to find stuff regularly. You're <laughs> doing great, and Any encouragement that we get from God is because he went searching for it. I don't know why he gives us rewards. He's just so good. He's just so good. Which amplifies why the elders have this impromptu moment that is, that is so below people who sit on thrones. And they throw themselves down. They, they take the thing that is reward and they say, we're not worthy. This is what worship should be, and that's where it should come from. You are amazing. And I don't care how much, how much you say I am. I know you're different. And the only reason you say I am is, and if I am, is because you made me that way. That's all. Otherwise, by myself, I am nothing without you. Now, the interesting thing is, it says, the angels do this incessantly, and then the elders follow them. So not only do the angels do this incessantly, it says then the elders have to do it incessantly too, because they keep following what the angels do. So the angels, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty was, is, and is come. Then the, worthy are you, who see the power, glory, and honor, and you created all things, then throw down the throne, get back. And, and then we see what happens, because they're continually doing it seems that the implied thing is after the elders have thrown down their crowns, Jesus says, come here. I love you. Thank you. Puts it back on their head and reseats them on their thrones. But because God is infinite and his beauty is unimaginable, our eyes can barely begin to hold even the little view that we get, the people that we see. When we see them unobstructed from the flesh in this world, it is overwhelming to our senses. So when they see something else about who he is and his greatness and goodness, because he gets to keep his, his scars, those nail prints in his hands and his feet and his side, he keeps those. And every time we see him, we see something else that helps us understand why he is worthy of our worship. And so he puts it back on saying, thank you. And they say, oh, no, I'm not worthy. Throws the, 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 the crown again. And then he, they get back up and the angels start again. And Jesus says, oh, you did a great job. So proud of you. Thank you for saying. No, 
you're amazing! And he falls down again. Woo! And he goes on and on and on and on and on. And he, the, the elders say, worthy are you, O Lord. Worthy are you to what? To receive three things. Glory, honor, and power. They say he's worthy to receive three things different than the angels say. We're going to talk about the nature of it. One, glory represents credit. The angels work for God. And they don't have any issue with vying for, for honor and credit. They're, all they are is mailmen. They're delivery boys. I don't want to cheapen it, but I'm letting you know they are his messengers. That's all they are. They do his bidding. They're his errand boys. Glorious in their orientation, but they are messengers. They know who they are. We, on the other hand, have issues of pride. And so our tendency is to want to take credit for everything that happens to us or for us or things we have done. And so the elders want to make sure that that, is, that is, is, is demarcated in their worship, that they don't believe they need to receive the credit for anything they've done, that you, oh Lord, deserve all the glory. I regularly and without apology introduce myself to other pastors in the area as the guy who they blame when anything goes wrong at Grace Covenant. I'm not being self-deprecating. I just realize this, that the larger we get, the more influential we get, people will want to talk about me. I get it. I realize what I'm not. Gosh, I know so much of what I'm not. And I know where I came from. And I know only God could do what he's doing with us. And the reason he hasn't done more is my fault. I take all the blame that we are not further in our progress than we should be. But other people don't know the inside working. And so all they see is the outside, and they see good. And I don't want them to somehow think that somehow Brad is the guy who makes all this stuff happen. And so that's how I regularly introduce myself, rather than as just the pastor of Grace Covenant Church. Now, that might seem a little strange, but it answers a whole lot of questions that people would ask me and begin to talk to me about with respect to my success. They contextualize it different. And whenever pastors get together, this is what they do. How many you got? How many you got? What's your budget? Sometimes it's just as much ego as folks who are on Wall Street. So I intentionally divert all that by saying what I say. He deserves, and if there's any good that comes from us, God. Only you. Only you could have done this. Only you could have done this. Now, you don't want to get weird with it. Somebody comes and says, oh, you, you sang a beautiful song. That was gorgeous. You don't say, that was Jesus. Jesus did that. Jesus, only Jesus did that. I give him the glory for it. They will run from you. You're weird. You're flat and weird. Flat. Now, flat and weird. Music, sorry. Music humor. What you want to do is say, 
Thank you very much. I'm really pleased to be able to serve him. That puts it all in the proper context. He gets all the glory. Secondly, he deserves the honor. Honor is, is giving him acknowledgement for who he is. <laughs> your character is stunning. Your, your, your benevolence is just beyond compare. You, are ama- you deserve all the honor because there is nobody like you. You are honorable in everything you do. All the honor. And then lastly, the power. Now this is, this is one that's a little bit, it needs some explanation because God is omnipotent. So omnipotent means all-powerful. So what kind of power are they trying to give him? Theirs? Why? God, God privileges us to be used by him. But you and I both know, if you really think about it, he can do whatever he wants to do, faster and better without us. True. He can do it all better without us. We are the drag. We're the reason it's not getting done as quick or with as as great competency as it should. It's all us. We're the problem. And, 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 And he can make it happen. So why in the world would he want to choose us? To help him. Except that he wants us to share in the family business. See, a daddy just wants their kids. It doesn't happen all the time, but it is, a, it is an extra special joy. When a child comes to their father and says, I want to serve under you. I want to steward the family business, dad. Oh, dad goes to sleep at night just, wow. Not only does... Not only does my child love me, but they want to do what I do. It's just affirmation all over the place. They're not running from my life or my values or, or what we've created here. They actually want to live under what we've created. So, Lord, you've helped us so much that our children enjoy living in the tent. And they want to stay. Oh, it doesn't get any better than that for a dad who gets to relate to his mature kids. But... If dad has a business and he needs an accountant and his son has not passed geometry and algebra, then there's not much help the boy can give. So God wants us to develop some competencies so we can actually help him rather than hurt his kingdom. And he wants us to be involved in the work, but he wants us to steward the work well. And so he says, come along, let me train you, let me help you, let me teach you what needs to be done here and here so we can work together. That was the whole goal for him giving Adam the planet. Do you notice that God didn't give Adam the planet and just leave? It says he came to walk with him in the cool of the day. He had regular appointments with Adam and what were they about? Stewardship. How's it going in Eden? Have you checked out the river Euphrates yet? Anything happening over there that needs to be tended to? These were, account- these were department reports. Are you listening to me? Evaluations. He would get wisdom. God, what, why'd you make it this way? Why'd you make that plan? What about the elephants? What, help me with this. 
getting understanding of, so they could store the earth well together. Lord, I give you my power, the strength of my life, my waking up, my speech, my occupation, my dreams, my visions, my hopes. I give you everything that I've got. All my power is yours, O oh Lord. Do with it as you see fit. To you, you are worthy of receiving the power. And what can happen when a people worship like this? When a people congregationally say, Lord, we give you the credit for anything good that happens. We honor you for being who you are. Proclaim your benevolence. We extol your greatness. Your otherness is amazing to us. And we want you to know that we, 3,000 strong, give you our power to help change our community. You deserve it because you died for us. Now we're going to give you ours. Our life is yours. This is what worship looks like. Let's pray.